nearly everyone has had a job that just simply sucked. In this podcast, we dive into the terrible workplaces that exist, either due to customer interactions, horrible bosses, bad culture, or environment. Tune in each episode to hear interviews and news stories of why work sucks. Hello, this is Brian Lamar, and you're listening to another episode of the podcast, Work Sucks. Work Sucks is a podcast where we talk about everything that makes the workplace suck, whether it's a bad boss, bad customer interactions, uh, work safety issues, you name it, all that kind of stuff. Today, we have Jamie on the air, a special guest uh, that's coming into us. She's a, a bit of a social media influencer, and I'm really excited to have her on the air today. Hey, Jamie, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I don't know you personally, uh, but I've I've been following you for a while on Facebook and just watching all your videos. You seem like like a super positive and caring person. Uh, what made you that way? Basically, just like I guess when you've gone through a lot of trials and things in your life, it helps you to be empathetic and in order to you know survive those kind of things you have to get on the positive side of life (laughs) yeah so the even the title of this podcast sounds kind of negative work sucks uh but the the purpose of this podcast is to share stories about your interactions and jobs that you've had previously that um that basically hope hopefully it it, uh, it helps people realize they're not alone in their struggle in the workplace and that it's normal and uh and, and hopefully we can we can learn some lessons and best practices and and go forward and, and it's a community that helps each other so all right so you have a job in your past that sucked most of us do so tell us about your specific job that sucked so my job was working at Applebee's. I was a server there, and also I was a barback there. So uh, explain to me what a barback is. I've heard that term a bunch, and I'm, I've never, I've never worked in a bar uh, specifically. But I know that the barback is something like the logistical hub of the bar. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. So basically, like, okay, the bartender is like the pretty face who pours the drinks and socializes. The bar back is like the mule. Like, you're in the back. You have to go get ice. You have to go get, like, the big, heavy containers of, um, you know, kegs of beer, uh, containers of margarita mix. Like, you get dirty. Um, It is a lot of heavy lifting, hard work. And then, like, just it's very demanding because the bartender gets stressed out. Everyone wants to yell at you because you're like kind of like lower on the totem pole, you know? Okay, so so you you're the person that takes all the hits whenever things aren't going right. Absolutely. All right, so tell us about Applebee's. What what made it suck for you? So the thing that was hard for me with Applebee's was so I am a woman in long term recovery. Um, I just celebrated seven years sober. Congratulations. I was, thank you. I was living at a sober living facility and working at this Applebee's and, you know, um, making a transition from drinking all the time to being sober is not easy. And my job 
working as a barbeck and as a server in Applebee's all around alcohol was so challenging. But it was, you know, what I was doing that time to pay the bills. I was building a firm foundation in my recovery. I was going to meetings. I had a great network. Um, And so I remember one day I was struggling so bad. It was so busy. It was like a Friday night. They were having like $2 fishbowl margaritas or something. There was a game on TV. It was crazy. Just people drunk and yelling and just It was just so stressful. And all I wanted to do was have a drink. (laughs) All I wanted to do. And I had some personal stuff going on, like something I was like dating this guy and he like totally like cheated on me or whatever. So I was just like looking for a reason, right? So it was so crazy. It was like 7.30 at night. I remember they told me to go in the back and go get one of those, these big vats of margarita mix. I'm talking, it's like a huge jug of margarita mix you have to carry so i'd go back there and i remember just locking the door in the freezer and screaming at the top of my lungs i am not going to have a drink today oh my goodness just stayed in there and was just like screaming and you know it's it's like insulated so nobody could hear you Right, So I just took like a couple minutes and just screamed, you know, and that's what you have to do sometimes, right? Sometimes you got to get extreme with it, right? <laughs> yeah, <life> so, is- <laughs> so um, you know, you, you touched on a point. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience uh, with uh, addiction recovery, like programs or anything like that. But uh, I had a friend who was, was in uh, the program and he told me that one of the one of the biggest triggers or one of the biggest pitfalls for people is when they're new to recovery, uh, getting in a relationship and then that relationship goes south on you. That's usually a big trigger. So, so uh, you were fighting kind of a, a hard section of work there with temptations and also dealing with relationship problems. How, how, did, how did you manage to not take a drink? I, I think most of us would. I don't know. I think I just literally like screamed it out. I mean, you know, screamed it out, prayed, you know, like just demanded that I was not going to fall into this temptation, into this trap. And I didn't. And um, I that is that was probably like one of the most powerful, uh, powerful experiences, because it really taught me that, you know, no matter what situation I'm in, I can get through anything. Yeah. I I mean, those are powerful words. So, you know, all right. So you, you dealt with it, you got past that night. uh, But, you know, obviously Applebee's, you're going to continue to have to serve drinks and stuff every weekend, week out. How long did you have to, to, to deal with that? I worked there for, see, I had worked for Applebee's for like a long time. So, um, in, and then when I came into recovery, you know what I mean? It was kind of just like the job that I, I stayed with. Um, I think I had stayed for 15, 16, 17, two years, two years after that until I got into my career um, that I have now, which is massage therapy. Okay. All right. And with being uh, a barback, let's go, let's, let's go on the barback side because you've got, you know, basically you've got two parts to this job that are equally difficult being a barback, you're having to stock the shelves and uh, stock the bar basically. And, and you're physically touching 
booze every day, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the only thing separating you is a is a, is a piece of glass or a piece of plastic from <laughs> from that alcohol, and so you 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 figured out how to you know, get through that. But then, tell us about when you're a server. The low tips, the Karens, the hey, oh send this back. Tell us about that. Yes. Okay. So the Applebee's that I worked at, it was not in like the greatest part of town. Okay. So, um, and and look, Applebee's is the only place that's open till like 2 a.m. All right. I mean, we're serving 2.99 fishbowl margaritas, right? So what are we getting in? We're getting in like drunk college kids we're getting in like basically people who like nobody's coming for like a fine dining sit down like i know that the um who was the guy the walker hayes who made the applebee song yep yep <laughs> like fancy that, like yeah. yeah that fancy like song like i mean he really he really put applebee's up quite a few notches but <laughs> when well, my kids there, love that song and then my my uh i've got a a nine-year-old who's about to turn 10 last year he wanted to go to applebee's for his birthday dinner because of that song so <laughs> yeah yes exactly they they brought applebee's back that guy i'm telling you um but yeah so and also the applebee's i worked at like the kitchen like there was always like it was dirty okay like there was always like hair coming in people's food, like food coming out terrible and like long waits. I'm talking people are waiting like an hour long for like a mid-rare steak on like a Friday night after waiting two hours to even sit at a table. What do you think that they want to do when they see my face? Right. Yeah. They're going to scream at you. People don't realize that it's not your fault. You're, you're basically the conveyor belt between the kitchen and the customer and then they're going to yell at you. Exactly. And then in between you taking care of your tables, people yelling at you, giving you crappy tips because their food, like, you know, was the wrong temperature or whatever, which had nothing to do with you and was not your fault. <laughs> Besides all of that, then you have a ton of side work at the end of the night. So I'm talking, you have to roll like a hundred pieces of silverware. After you're done dealing with all of the BS, getting yelled at a million times, getting stiffed on tips, and guess what also happens when people run out on their bill? Guess who has to pay for it? No, yeah. So I've I've been told this before that uh, if somebody runs off, um, you know, the actual law, I'm, I'm in Mississippi, and the actual law on the state uh, law books is called defrauding an innkeeper. That's the, that's the actual law. And anything above $25 can be pretty significant uh, as far as like fines and penalties and jail time. So I'm told that a lot of times though, without instead of trying to report it and try to track the people down, uh, they, the owners just try to take it from the, the servers. Yes, which I think is completely unfair because how are we supposed to warn off somebody who's going to run off? First of all, that's the last thing we expect is somebody to run off on their bill. And then what? Are we supposed to run after them in the parking lot and put our life in jeopardy to like try to catch somebody and demand that they pay us? It's crazy. You know, you know, uh, it's funny you say that. And um, and I'm just going to interject real quick, a quick story. I, I've i been a food columnist for quite some time. I've had a food column um, for 20 something years. And one day I set up uh, a, a food uh, interview or review with this restaurant uh, over in Mobile and uh, it was going great. And at the end of the bill, 
uh, we you know or at the end of the, the the night instead of getting the bill like we usually just had the food comp to us because they're getting free advertising all that stuff um, you know it was sorted out before I got there with the manager and so I get up and I walk out and I'm walking around the streets of Mobile and Dauphine Street and um, you know pretty night and this little five foot nothing server comes running up to me in the, in a dark kind of almost like an alleyway and starts demanding payment and I told her, it's like, whoa, 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 you got to go talk to your manager. But then I started scolding her. I was like, don't come out here chasing down customers. You could get hurt. What are you doing? So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, because we don't want to have to pay for that. It's crazy. Well, um, I she, that we ran up like a $300 bill that night because we were sampling the whole menu. And, and when I sent her back to the restaurant, I went back with her and we talked to the manager. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 this is all comped. And then she, you know, obviously, you know, she was all okay after that. <laughs> But she thought she was on the hook for $300. <laughs> she was coming to get that. <laughs> oh, she's going to take me out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. And, you know, also with all of that, then, like I was saying, we have side work. Okay. So side work consists of you have to, like, okay, you know the tables you sit at at the restaurant? Like, they have to be, like, spotless. I mean, from the gum on the bottom of the table to the base all the way to the floor, you have to, like, take everything off, you have to fill everything up, and then you have to vacuum with these little stupid broken bissels, like these little bissel things. (laughs) Not talking about, like, the ones where you plug in. No, 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 no. Like the ones that get traction from going oh back goodness. and forth from like 1970, okay? And that's what you have to clean your floor. And then you have a person that literally will come and check it. They have to sign your receipt for you to even leave. Like you cannot leave without their signature. So if you have like one piece of paper on the floor, they won't sign it. So like, is, no, you is, gum, is gum on the bottom of a table still a thing though? I mean, it seems like such a 1990s thing. <laughs> you wouldn't believe Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't chew gum, so I guess I'm not I'm not you know up on the times. The last time I chewed chewed gum, Cinnaburst uh, was out on the scene, so I don't think mm-hmm. they've had Cinnaburst for 20 years now. Yep, yep. People people still do it, and kids. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness! But look, I love kids. Okay, I love babies, but I hate babies sitting in my section. Okay, because the parents come and they bring those. You know, those little like cereal things and the baby just throws them everywhere and then they get stomped all over in the carpet and you got to clean all that up and they spill things. It's crazy. It's, it just, it's so much cleaning up while, uh, you know, while you're, you have, you know, probably usually about between four, between three and six tables, depending on like what restaurant you work at. Right. So you have like a whole section. So you are literally being pulled from table to table, trying to clean everything, trying to do your side work trying to keep up on the kitchen. The kitchen's yelling at you. The managers are yelling at you because they don't have food runners, right? So you have to like run other people's food. You can't just like take care of like your section. You have to run other people's food. You have to run other people's drinks. It is like so stressful. Like literally, I think if I tried to do it at my age now, I would literally turn my whole head gray. <laughs> so I I, uh, I have two boys. They're they're only separated by two years. And when they were really young, um, I think it was a, a restaurant similar to the one we're talking about. Um, 
like a, one of the franchise restaurants. And we, and my kids made such a mess that I, I was apologizing to the server. Cause I knew that I knew that they were going to have to clean it up, you know, and it was our mess. I, I, I said, listen, bring me the vacuum cleaner and I will vacuum it up. And she looks at me and goes, I would love to, but my manager would kill me if I did that. <laughs> yes. And I'm telling you, mom, look, some of these moms with kids, that's why they bring them there because they can make a mess and they don't have to clean it. Like literally they do it like on purpose just so they can like laugh. It's terrible. Okay. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about tipping culture because there's a lot of debate on whether, you know, you go to Europe, you go to certain other places and uh, the servers, uh, everyone gets a living wage and then tipping is not really expected. But in the U S basically restaurants are getting f- almost free labor and then tipping is expected at, at like an 18% rate ish. Um, so what did you have to deal with when dealing with customers regarding tipping? Okay. So um, like an average tip should be 20%. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm, I'm already low already. <laughs> yeah. You said 18. Like, ah. <laughs> it's 20%. Um, that's like your average tip. Um, so literally I made $2 and 13 cents an hour. That's from, that's from your, your company is $2. Uh-huh. And right. then, yes. then I feel like as a server though, you're, you're kind of like just depending on the kindness of strangers at that point to, to make a living wage. Yes. You basically just have to like kiss everybody's butt and like give them like whatever they want. And so that they will give you a tip. Otherwise you're not going to make any money. Now tip, now it can be very lucrative. Like I will say that like, as far as like, um, having a job like that was just like, you know, not necessarily in a, in a career realm that like anybody can do. You don't have to have like a degree. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can make some good money working in restaurants, but you got to know how to play the game. You have to. You have to know how to talk to people. You have to know who your audience is. And sometimes you can be so nice and they still won't give you crap, right? Um, and, yeah, if their food takes too long, they don't tip you. I mean, generally, I want to say, like, I probably would make somewhere between 100 to $200 a night. And that would be, like, on, like, a, a busy weekend, you know? Okay. Um, which is which is not bad, right? For just just having like a job where you don't have like you know what I mean. You, you're not like a manager. You don't have like responsibility. Right. You just clock out and you go home. You don't have to do nothing. <laughs> so so you're saying on a on a busy night like a Friday or Saturday night when there's football games playing, uh, maybe even Sundays, you're you're getting on those weekend nights. Um, you're, you're getting in a shift about two hundred bucks. So when when things aren't great, like a, like a Tuesday night, what, what, what was the average there? So there you could say like maybe you're going to make like $30. Maybe you're going to make $40. Maybe. And okay. that's working like a five to nine. Now, if you're a closer, so say they close at like 11, right? If you're a closer, that means that they cut the rest of the staff. That's another issue. Having too many servers on the floor. Okay, so they try to give you like a three table section or four table section when it's like um, when they have like too many servers on the floor. Like in order to make good money, you have to number one, be a closer, which means that they're going to cut all the other servers 
And believe me, everybody wants to get cut because nobody wants to stay enclosed because that's where you have to do the most cleaning and the most shutting down. However, that's where you make the most money. So after the after the store closes, after the, the restaurant closes, and you don't have customers anymore, and then you got to do all the cleanup and stuff, are you still only making the $2.13 an hour? Yes. <laughs> That's slave wage. I hate that. That mm-hmm. seems like if you're if you're not in the ability to get the time frame ability to get tips that you should at least get minimum wage. Oh my goodness. Yes, exactly. And then so when you're a closer and you have to close so your manager has to come check you out. Like you know how before I was saying like somebody had to come go sign your receipt after checking your table and your side work. Well, now at the end of the night, like a manager has to do like a walkthrough. And if everything's not perfect for him or her, then the the opening manager is going to get on their butt, right? So you really have to, like when they close at night, they want everything to be perfect. So you can imagine like a Friday, Saturday with like crazy people, um, you know, like it's a mess. <laughs> it's a crazy mess. And you're usually there for at least an hour after closing, maybe two. Okay. So an extra $4 and 26 cents. Great. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So it can be really, really frustrating. Um, I worked for Applebee's for like a really long time, but when I gave my last day, like my, just like my last day of when I started my new career, I was not sad. <laughs> I was like, bye. <laughs> so imagine being a massage therapist, the tips are a lot better. Oh, being a massage therapist is wonderful because look, first of all, people are happy when they see me. They're happy when they leave. <laughs> well, <laughs> and- yeah. yeah. <laughs> It seems yeah. like, well, that's the goal anyways, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, like, and they're, you know, like they, they're either talkers or they're not talkers. Either way, I get to listen to like, you know, music and, um, and I get to do something that, that I love doing. So it is definitely like a million times better. But I always say that like people are happy when they see me, they're happy when they leave. When I waitress, oh my goodness, nobody was ever happy. If we're yeah. never happy. Well, I like the uh, occasional massage, but I always, um, I always dislike the music. Uh, it's always you got a ninety percent chance that it's going to be Enya, <laughs> and I, I don't have a problem with Enya. But if if I'm sitting on the beach or whatever, looking at a sunset, Enya's perfect. But sometimes I cannot not fall asleep on that table if something like that is playing and i know that's supposed to be like the ultimate compliment for a massage therapist but i feel like i miss out on the massage if i just pass out yeah i do deep tissue medical massage so people don't generally fall asleep on my table but um i do not listen to enya i the the beauty of having your own business is you can do whatever you want to do <laughs> okay, so, okay. like i mean now if people have a request i am totally down like people have asked me to listen to acdc before <laughs> people <laughs> have asked me to listen to jazz music before like whatever you want to listen to like i'm cool with um i'm always down to hear different kinds of music you know but generally i i can listen to whatever i want to so that is that is cool. Of course, working at Applebee's, they did have good music playing. So that was fun. That was one part. And I did really enjoy, um, you know, like the connection because 
you know, you're co you're with your coworkers and it's like, yeah, everything sucks and you're getting yelled at and it's crazy. But number one, you know, the store is going to close. <laughs> at right. some point. Yeah. And number two, you're all in this together. Yeah. Well, that's good. Some camaraderie light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's funny, even though we're, 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 we're kind of, poo-pooing uh, Applebee's as a brand a little bit. I am sitting here thinking I might get up from this interview and go to Applebee's tonight. <laughs> yes. No, they do have amazing food. I actually worked for their company from, um, what was it, 2003 until 2017 on and off. Okay. All right. Yeah, there's so many different dishes uh, that, that I do like there. There's some that I don't, but, um, you know, if you're if you're if you're just wanting to go and get some Americana, just something quick, not necessarily fast food, but quick food, uh, yeah, Applebee's is a good option in in a lot of cities. Mm-hmm, definitely, at least, at least you know what you're going to get. Yes, exactly, because it is always the same wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the the menu you could be in Alaska or or Tampa, Florida, and it's going to be the same. Exactly. Yes. Yes, I do. They, I love their appetizers too, you know, and, um, and they do have, you know, a super popular drink menu and, uh, good prices. And of course their shakes, their Oreo shakes, right? I mean, the guy made a song about it. So it's, they've got to be amazing. What, what's the, the, the dish though he talked about, uh, right before the Oreo shakes? What, what, the what? Bourbon, the bourbon yeah. steak. <laughs> I want to go have that tonight. I think I might actually go to Applebee's tonight. Now, now that we've right. complained about it enough, I want to go. The um the par- the Parmesan sauce. I don't know if they have it anymore. They used to have like a Parmesan steak. Oh my goodness! Now that it was a shrimp and Parmesan steak, and that right there was amazing. Okay. All right. Good. Good uh, recommendation. I'm going to check that out. See, I, I'm a food writer at heart, so obviously this is just kind of gravitated in from complaining about a, a shitty job to like, hey, let's go eat at Applebee's. So, um, all right. So, uh, last question about uh, that job. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who finds themselves working in you know in the kind of same situation as you? Um, and this is a two part question. As a, as a barbeck and a, and a server. Uh, in general, what advice would you give them to survive it if they're having trouble? And then on the other side, which is more along your your current brand, um, if somebody's struggling um, with recovery and they find themselves surrounded by the temptations and the stresses that you found yourself, what's your what's your big advice? So we'll start with that first piece of advice and then go to the second one. Okay, so if you are a barback or server working in a restaurant um, and, you know, it's crazy, I mean, I would try to shift, I would say shift your perspective, you know what I mean? Like, the people are mean, like, just remember that they have to wake up with themselves the next morning and every day after that. They have to wake up with themselves every day. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, try to shift your perspective on, like, the chaos can be entertaining, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, it is crazy, but you know, sometimes you feel like it's like the apocalypse is about to happen when you're working in a restaurant. And just remember that, um, there is a closing time unless you work at a 24 hour restaurant, then I'm sorry. <laughs> that doesn't it's just stuck there forever. Well, I mean, all right. You remember the movie happy Gilmore when, uh, when he had to go find his happy place. Um, yeah. it, it, I mean, was that, was the freezer, was the walk-in freezer that for you? Oh yes, absolutely. Going in the freezer where you're like, 
Um, you know, because you do get like hot. I mean, you're literally running all the time. You're kind of like an athlete on your server. So like, yes, being able to step out. Um, I know smoking is huge in restaurants. I used to smoke when I worked at a restaurant, um, go out back and like, you know, just like smoke, calm down, um, you know, watch like some funny, a funny video real quick outside, like a 60 second reel or some like motivational videos. And just knowing that, um, you know, that you can, you can make it through it. I feel like honestly, everybody should be a server one time in their life so that they can be able to, you know, I feel like you really pick up like a whole new set of skills. (laughs) Yeah. I I say that also about uh, being in the, in the military or something like that. Everybody should do it for at least one year just to, just to kind of have that uh, ability to say, okay, I learned all this and now I'm done with that. Let me go. Mm -hmm. Let me go through my life as a good person now. Um, We didn't touch on something that I think listeners would want to know about. So as a as a guy, I I haven't always been married with kids and tied down and everything. But um, as a guy, as a single guy, uh, say in my 20s or or even 30s, sometimes waitresses will come to the table and and they're pretty and they're and they're they're friendly and stuff. And you get this false sense of, oh, maybe I should ask for her phone number or something like that. I never, I don't think I ever have actually, because I assume that waitresses and uh, and bartenders get hit on constantly. So, what do you have to say about that? Um, definitely, like I wouldn't give your number or try to get a number the first time. At least be like a regular. Like if you really want to like get to know your waitress, like and get her number, then don't just try to do it like the first time because that's just. It, it seems shallow. Okay, I was yeah, I was wondering if that was a taboo or whatever. I, I'm sure that it happens constantly oh, yeah. all, all over, the, all over the place. <laughs> um, okay, so and then we were we were uh, going to hit that second part of your advice mm-hmm. to people who are in in the same situation you were in, where you had all these stressors and temptations while you were actively struggling and battling against um, addiction. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, please reach out, reach out to someone because we are only as sick as our secrets. The opposite of addiction is connection. So if you don't tell anybody what you have going on and that you're struggling, then how is anybody going to know? How are you going to get that relief? Right? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Um, just reach out. And because, you know, people would much rather answer your phone call or answer your message, then go to your funeral. Wow. Not, that's good. That seems like great advice, not even just for addiction recovery, but also people who may be thinking about suicide as well. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes. Oh, and, I, you know, I have, the, the opposite of addiction is connection. Is that what you yes. said? Yes. That's mm-hmm. powerful. Yes, for sure. And, you know, I have been in, in a situation, I worked at this super fancy restaurant where like, uh, you weren't, couldn't have like your phones around or whatever. And I got really, really stressed out. And I remember just, I just started like praying. I went in the bathroom and just started praying because, you know, I didn't have a phone. I couldn't talk to anyone. So that, that could come up too. Okay. Well, all right. So um, that that's the last part of the interview that I have for you. Now, I want you to be able to uh, to tell us a little bit about 
your uh, social media uh, platform and, and what you're all about. So go ahead. Cool. Well, yes, I am a recovery advocate. Um, I am a certified addiction recovery empowerment specialist. I'm certified with Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. And I basically speak out about addiction and coach people. I have a recovering coaching business called Miracles Recovery Coaching. And I coach people in recovery. I believe and support multiple pathways in recovery. And for years and years and years, we have had the very traditional 12-step programs, which is great. I'm a 12-step baby. Um, and But these days, there are so many different pathways to recovery, and people are not always comfortable with the 12-step method. So I work kind of in the outer realm of that with coaching, which is basically like peer-to-peer um, where I use my lived experience to help people who are struggling in active addiction and in early recovery make it to their goals. So it's like a self-directed goal, whatever they want to do. I'm there to support and uh, and help with that in whatever way that I can. Um, like I said in the beginning of the interview, um, I just celebrated seven years sober, July 20th, and I basically started speaking out about addiction because, honestly, I was tired of my friends dying, and, you know, when I was in addiction, I did not know that there was such a community. I didn't know there was such a loving community that would embrace me and that would help me because recovery was so anonymous back then. So these days I make it my mission to speak out about recovery, to share about the things that I've been through, all of the things I've been through. I'm very vulnerable on all my platforms. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, I do interviews with other people in recovery. I love to spotlight people who have overcome very hard situations um, just to be able to share hope. I think that that is, you know, what what this world needs is to to look at hope and know that there is a way out of whatever situation. And there's not just one way out. There's many ways out. Yeah. Well, well Jamie, I absolutely love your mission. I love your soul. I think that there should be a million more people like you in the world. And so thank you for what you do on a daily basis. And um, I, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, I would, I'd like you to email or Facebook message me all the links to your platforms so I can put those into the comments uh, section or the description section for this podcast. So when people hear it, they have a place that they can reach back to you and, and find you online. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yeah. You can find me hashtag Jamie Tall anything. But yes, I will send you the specific links and everything for sure. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, no problem. Well, um, that's it. Unless you have anything else to say, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But thanks for being on the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. This has been an episode of Work Sucks. Work Sucks is a podcast in the Lamar Communications Group. For questions or a chance to have your story featured on this podcast, email the host at brian.lamar1453 at gmail.com.